Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Uh, you should know that if uh, you can't hear Sarah, it's because she thinks her mic is a receiver. <laughs> Keep we putting my ear to it. Yeah, we were talking before the show, going over some things, and she was trying to see if she could hear me, and she put her goddamn ear up to the the microphone. Listen, it's been a long day. Yeah, it must have been a long day. <laughs> I'm already exhausted. Yeah, I thought you were drunk or high. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I am perfectly sober. Yeah. My mom's Austin. This is just who I am. Oh, we got to we gotta tell people who we are. They're listening to a bunch of broads. Yip, yap. They don't even know. That's right. Uh, welcome. Uh, yes, welcome. Uh, we're your host. I'm Vanessa Tyler. I'm Sarah Austin. This and, podcast. Uh, this podcast. Go ahead. What is it? I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed that. What? Oh <laughs> This is really exhausting, you guys. <laughs> this, this, hey, that's a good name. Let's call it This Podcast Sounds Exhausting. This podcast sounds exhausting. It does. How about, how about this one on the exhaust scale? I think it's okay. I think it's like entertaining. Ghost stories? Um, what kind of ghost stories? Ghost-related stories? Yeah. So last week we were talking like, what do we want to do next week? I was like, I want to do a ghost story, like a cool ghost story. She's like, when okay. she didn't find any, she had to do true crime. No. Ghost related. I said, I'm going to do the Amityville horror, right? Because yes. I'm like, that's what I want to do. And then I look it up and it's like, oh no, this is definitely like a murder story. <laughs> then, then a ghost story. Oh, you know what? Isn't it familicide? So it will be exhausting. Yes. Yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> We've accomplished another topic that's ridiculous. Right. Thing. Right. I'm excited because yeah. I've only seen Amityville Horror the movie, so I don't really know anything about that. Just what they tell you at the beginning of the movie, which you know is bullshit, because they preface that with "we're about to lie to you." Basically, what they say. Right. You can. What I really learned with this story is that you can basically put based on a true story on, and then just do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Like. <laughs> It can be whatever you want. Like, there's nothing tying you to that based on a true story. Nothing. Right. Right. And we didn't have, we didn't have like super good internet back then, like we do not now. So when Blair Witch came out, didn't everybody think it was like real footage? Oh, yeah. Oh, Did yeah. You? No, maybe. Oh. I don't know. I maybe. was really young when it came out. I think I wanted it no. real footage. <laughs> I still remember an ex boyfriend thinking that the, uh, when Paranormal Activity came out, him saying, him trying to tell me that it was real footage. And I was like, are you, what are you what? talking about? <laughs> it is absolutely not real footage. Those are actors. No, no, no. One? I swear. No, I didn't see any. You know what those, who those movies are for? My kids. Oh, my kids. The second one was done like a regular movie though. None of that footage oh, stuff. Oh, Okay. And there's the some foot, movies. The handheld footage stuff gives me a headache a lot. Like, I can't see movies like that in theater. What about Cloverfield? Cloverfield, I was working at a movie theater when that came out, right? Mm. There was, like, a daycare inside the movie theater. I worked at that daycare, and we'd get free tickets to go see all the movies and everything. Uh, when Cloverfield... Not while you're watching the kids. No, 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 no. Mm. For, like, after work or weekends or whatever. <laughs> These and, kids are fine. <laughs> Y'all are fine. Um... 
when that movie came out, it was insanity in our theater at the Santan Theater in Arizona. People were like throwing up in the in the theater, having to leave because people were like puking because it was so it was such a big screen. Motion and the footage was so shaky. People mm. were getting sick. And they weren't giving any of us tickets because it was like such a big movie. They weren't giving up, they wouldn't give us free tickets till like a week or two after it came out. Mm. So we were just like, fuck this. We kept seeing all these people leaving. We're just gonna go in. So we went in and like sat in some seats that people weren't in. I had to leave within 20 minutes. I had such bad motion sickness. But not like anxiety. No, no. I just literally couldn't watch it on that big of a screen. I was so sick to my stomach. The only movie I saw people puke coming out of it, I didn't, well, let me, <laughs> I didn't see it myself because it was The Exorcist and that was in the 70s. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I people think it was 70. Like upset too, like devastated too. Yeah, my like grandma just, talks about that. Yeah, people, that was like insanity. What did she people say? Were going, people were going crazy for it. It was like the most terrifying movie. People were puking, stumbling out of theaters, crying. Yeah. Things like that. Like it was a, a very visceral reaction. To You've that. cried at a horror movie before, right? A quiet place. <laughs> no, I mean like you I cried because you didn't like cry it. Cry because I was scared. I cried because I was so proud. You were so happy with John. Yes. Well, this is not what I was talking about. Oh. I thought you cried and left during The Hills Have Eyes. We've talked about this. I know you've corrected me. I really don't know what's uh, true and false. I didn't leave. Yeah, I didn't leave during The Hills Have Eyes. Um, but I saw that movie right after like a very traumatic event in my life. And so I had a lot of anxiety and, uh, there's a certain scene in that movie that was really tough for me. I got completely full of anxiety, thought I was going to have a panic attack, had like tears in my eyes. And I remember my uncle being like, we can just go like, fuck this. Let's just get up and leave. But I stuck it out and watched wow. the rest of it. Yeah. Maybe we just talked about it. And then my brain just implanted a false memory. Maybe. Because I really do have a false memory of going to see that movie with you. No, we didn't see it together. But we probably watched it together, like after. But I actually, I saw that oh, movie in Michigan. I was on a trip. I know what it was. We saw The House of Wax and you left crying because it was so terrible. Shut up. And I stayed for Paris Hilton. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched that movie all the way through. No? Well, you started it? I think I started it. And then I was like, what am I doing with my life? And That's I was probably saying. like 15. <laughs> yeah. You started it very reluctantly, didn't you? Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> you were very pissed. Yeah. So you know they just put her in there for her name. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? What yeah. else? I mean, for her brilliant acting chops? Come on. I just wanted her to say, you know, something about That's the wax. Hot. Yeah. That's hot. <laughs> and then get killed. All right. Head <laughs> chopped right off. Kill her naked, please. Yeah. All right. Are we talking about anything ghost related or we're just going to... Kind of. All right. Well, I'm getting motion sick sickness <laughs> from this conversation. I think I'm going to go first, right? No. No? No, I'm going to go first. Oh, okay. All right. Is that okay? I don't care. Mine's quick. Remember, you got a good long story for everybody. I do have a long... <laughs> I do have a long story. And I'll try my best to have some witty anecdotes. Okay. Such. Okay. Okay. What do you think? You want to go first? No. I say you don't go for it. 
Listen, we can take up as much airspace as we want to figure this out. I don't care. The stage is yours. Yeah. If they don't want to listen at this point. You can just skip ahead. Fuck them. Oh, I mean, you can just skip ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I was joking. All right, cool. So Sarah wanted to do ghost related. She says ghost story. She's going to do Amityville Horror. And, um, you know, normally I take what that doctor, psychologist, scientific approach. Sure. So I stayed completely away from Amityville horror for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just kind of got a little drunk and went Google, Googling. Okay. And then I stumbled on something that I really liked. It's just a short story. And uh, <laughs> my Hey Google popped up when I said that. Hey. And I really liked it. And I thought it, it kind of it fit the way I wanted it to fit into this. So it's not perfectly relative. But here we go. Okay. Um. So I asked you earlier if you've ever heard of a particular podcast. You said no. So you won't be familiar with the name Carrie Poppy, would you? No. So Carrie Poppy is a, um, love her last name, right? P-O-P-P-Y though, mm-hmm. <laughs> not P-A-P-I. Yeah. Shucks. Uh, she is a investigative journalist. Okay. She's a skeptic. Okay. She's a podcaster. Check her out. Her podcast is, oh no, Josh or Ross. <laughs> Sorry to her co-host, Ross. I just called you Josh. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie or something. I'm not precisely sure what it's supposed to mean, but I think it's supposed to mean, oh, no, Ross and Carrie are here to expose us. Right, 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 right. But they do cool, like, investigative stuff because they go, like, undercover. Like, they became Mormons in a way. They became Scientologists. Oh. Cults and stuff like that, too. Cool. Yeah, cool stuff. So, anyways, uh, I caught her on TED Talk. And she was telling a, a true story about herself. Okay. Uh, and she's, she reminds me of you because she's very, even though she's a skeptic and she's all these things, she's very open mm-hmm. to paranormal stuff and et cetera. And of course she is because of her story. So I'm going to go into that story. I'm ready. Uh, in her own words, uh, a couple of years ago, I want to say eight years ago. I don't, I don't know when the TED Talk video was made, but she said eight years ago, she was haunted by a presence. She said she lived in a tiny house in the backyard of a normal house. So, you know, just a tiny house in the backyard, basically. Like a casita house. Sure. For Arizona people. Sure. A mother-in-law home? A mother-in-law suite. Let's think of some more. Another a treehouse. I'm just kidding. Calm down. She's not in a treehouse. It was just her. She just lived there alone with her two dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, when one night she, she suddenly felt overwhelmed with the feeling of someone was watching her and it wasn't good and her being kind of a realist and all these things to have such a profound feeling that she couldn't escape it was a big deal for her so it's not like just somebody else just like me who has that feeling constantly watching forensic files so it wasn't attributed to like anxiety or something it was different right that's what i'm saying yeah it wasn't it wasn't like that um you know you ever get scared watching forensic files like if you're watching it alone and you're in your house and you're like, what if tonight someone's stalking me and they're going to. Yeah. Like- I don't particularly like watching it if I'm home alone or if I'm home, if it's just me with my kids. Yeah. I don't like watching stuff. You like get paranoid that. then. Yeah. A little paranoid. Yeah. You do. I can do it and it's sometimes sure. it's fine. But if I have already have some anxiety and things like that, it's just not, it's not good for me. I was watching it alone in my little apartment when I lived alone and I didn't even have a dog. So I was pretty scared and it was a rape murder one, like a stalker guy or whatever. And I remember what made me feel better so I could keep watching it was I was like, you know what? If some dude's watching me and he sees me and he looks at me, my short hair, mm. my fucking 
tight sports bra and my you said come get it bad boy my good looks i said all right go Knock ahead you out if you want it that bad <laughs> fuck you <I'm>... up. <laughs> have you ever i have been watching forensic files by myself and felt the need to audibly say fuck off no literally that's what i was <laughs> getting to that's what i said out loud okay if you want it bro i think that's kind of gay but okay i'm okay with that right I, i've literally been like gone like the one time my husband was out of town and i went on like a forensic files binge fest i slept with a knife under my mattress a big old knife i know isn't what? that ridiculous you're weird aren't you afraid that you would like grab it at us being startled no and i actually practiced how fast i could get to it europe that's insane you get super paranoid i know it was weird how, how fast are you with it i was getting pretty good yeah you shanking ghosts in your bedroom yeah but i had to put it like handle you know handle out so i could grab you know the handle and then i was getting pretty good with it and then i was scared like i'm gonna like i've done it so many times i'm gonna do it in my sleep <laughs> just like fucking cut the dog on accident yeah, what if isaac came home early to surprise you you would have fucking hurt him you would think this through no i didn't you're lucky no one got hurt i am lucky no one got hurt well, i've also i went camping with a friend jamie and we got super scared in the middle of the night and we had like we had brought like hammers and knives and shit with us camping and we brought them all into the tent like in what case someone... the hammer and knife i don't know we were gonna fuck something up why is that your best weapon because we didn't have a gun uh-huh so we just took stuff from the garage a couple hammers a couple like kitchen knives spatulas mm. <laughs> like yeah you know what i say that those are terrible weapons but i, I think about like because people do get women in particular do get spotted and stalked and then yeah. taken advantage of and i would really just love to hear a story about that how some paranoid broads brought some knives and hammers and you know there's a mugshot of a guy with a big old gash and a hammer smash i'll see if i can find one for you on his face that'd be cool yeah anyways i'm gonna get back into it okay you don't watch like cartoons when you get scared to go oh to hell yeah after after my forensic files is done it's straight to bob's burgers or the office or home movies or archer like it's like but you were still scared enough to have the knife oh yeah i was still gonna have that knife but mm. i could sleep i it's not like i was i couldn't sleep it was just okay. like okay i'm prepared this is what i have put on some bob's burgers Let's so go. when we live near each other again and i have a key to your house because i'm assuming i'm privileged to that of course thank you and i walk in in the, uh, the middle of the night because that's when i would um come over unannounced i don't come out <laughs> i don't do right. that during appropriate hello <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> uh and you're on the couch holding a fucking knife and you fling it at me and you're watching <laughs> bob's burgers i'm gonna know exactly what's going on yes wonderful everyone will know how you died the, oh you're gonna kill me in this scenario i'm just saying if i throw the knife i got pretty good at it <laughs> you're gonna throw the knife <laughs> please don't throw the knife can you imagine so dramatic you throw the knife the handle just hits him and falls to the ground and you're like oh but i have another uh, one <laughs> i have don't another one. i have a throwing knife and a stabbing knife <laughs> oh okay <laughs> you just know picks it up secrets. throws it yeah. back at me <laughs> yeah what are you doing <laughs> oh i haven't thought this all right through. anyways our our main character carrie poppy I love that name, Pop. It is a good name. <laughs> She's a skeptic in her little tiny home with her dogs alone at night, laying down in bed, 
when suddenly she's overwhelmed with the feeling someone's watching her and it just wasn't she just it wasn't good she was very sincere describing this feeling mm-hmm. uh oh there is an intruder here my <laughs> well, dog has alerted me <laughs> i better get my throwing knife ready my ninja stars uh oh <laughs> uh the feeling didn't go away uh 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 after some time uh and then she said uh it later became accompanied by chest pain and she described the chest pain as in the center pressing down really hard and mm-hmm. she that she knew it was real and that she knew that chest pain was there it wasn't subtle it was it was it was there you know what i mean yeah it wasn't like and a she, phantom pain sure no pun intended right and, well she probably thought it was a phantom uh and she said these experiences peaked when she also began hearing noises that sh- that couldn't be explained. So here you are, a rational person. Mm-hmm. You get this awful feeling, progresses, chest pains, mm-hmm. awful pains in the middle of your chest. You're alone. And then you do start hearing things that you can't explain. You can't identify the noise, but you right. can hear it, right? You go from one point to your home to the other to find the, to, to find the noise. You hear it the exact same way. Okay. You go to another point outside to try to find it. You hear it the exact same way, which means it's probably paranormal. Or if you're rational, an auditory hallucination, I would panic. Mm -hmm. Uh, She described the noise as like a whoosh, but Mm -hmm. very prominent. Um, And she heard it several times. So it wasn't just once, right? Uh, She did eventually go to see a psychiatrist. Uh, She was looking for medication. Right. She thought it was something going on, but the psychiatrist, you know, decided that she wasn't schizophrenic or any of that stuff. So she didn't get any meds mm, okay. uh, and, and no answers. So what a what a wonderful psychiatrist. Just yeah, know right. you're you're you don't qualify next. Uh, she did say after some time, the pain in her chest got worse. Uh, and the feeling of someone watching her increased and got worse at night, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the noises did continue as well. Uh, so she got desperate and started Googling, right? Okay. Which is what we all do we shouldn't do, but we, we all do it. Don't we? So she eventually Some turned more than others. That's correct. Are you talking about me? No, go ahead. No, <laughs> no I'm just saying some more than others. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you didn't say it like that. Oh, I'm you had sorry. emphasis on others. Pretty sure it was about me. It was, I could tell by the look on your face. That's rude. <laughs> oh my God. Am I wrong? No. So I'm right. <laughs> You're such an ass. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Say what you want to say. I don't want to say anything. Oh, okay. Because it's not like you want to say something. No, I'm very bad at Googling stuff. Anytime I ask you like or tell you something going on, you're like, don't. I'll let me look it up. Maybe yeah. And I filter up. through all the yeah, bullshit yeah. and try to find something rational. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That was nice of you. You dissed me and then you followed with a compliment. You're so smart. I'm here to serve. Thank you. So she turns to the internet and what she, where, excuse me, where she finds herself on the internet is a group of people who investigate paranormal occurrences. Uh, But she finds out that the goal of this group of uh, paranormal investigators is, uh, their goal is explaining it all with science. Mm -hmm. So they're debunkers almost. Okay. Okay. Uh, and she did contact them directly. She explained her situation and she said, you know, explain that. No. Science guys, right? Come figure it out. And they replied to her pretty quick and pretty simply. And they said to her, have you ever heard of carbon monoxide poisoning? Oh, shit. Like in a smart ass way, because as far as her story goes, they didn't, there was no follow up. It was just, have you ever heard of carbon monoxide poisoning? Question mark. Send. Done with you. Um, 
And she was like, yeah, I have heard of that, actually. So she called the gas company. Um, they did a reading for her in her tiny home. Mm-hmm. And they told her that she likely would have died that night from carbon monoxide poisoning. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so carbon monoxide poisoning will cause yeah, uh, 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 the feeling of doom, impending doom. Mm. extreme feelings of impending doom it'll also cause chest pains pressure in your chest headaches amongst other things uh and it 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 can also cause auditory hallucinations i didn't know that hearing noises it's interesting you should you should look more into it because there's a lot of of people who thought they were being haunted by a ghost one was as early as 1770 something that i found in a house they all were experiencing it all of them were terrified. They all they all genuinely believed yeah. they were in a haunted house. Yeah. Genuinely. And in the 1770s, I could see that being right. terrifying for people. And even driving them to suicide or murder. Right. Someone came and checked the furnace, fixed it, carbon monoxide resolved. No longer a haunted house. Completely normal house. Jesus. That's a true story. Yeah. And that, that still goes on but now like i know in my house i have carbon monoxide detectors yeah that's why she ends her ted talk with get mm-hmm. fucking carbon monoxide detectors right right and get it coming to my ted talk right <laughs> but a lot of that has that and that kind of set her off on this journey that she's on now um with this you know skeptics podcast yeah but their motto is we show up so you don't have to and i'm guessing that's we go and show right. up to places so you don't have to fall for it i think so the smart ass paranormal detectives were actually probably saying like hey have you had your carbon monoxide checked <laughs> yeah. you know like they could have said it nicer but well the way she presented it she came at them that way like hey mm. smart ass what do you got for me mm. okay. said, hey smart ass you ever heard of carbon monoxide poisoning and then she did <laughs> bet you're gonna die <laughs> you're gonna die yeah uh, she says in her experience, science explains all of the things that they've investigated 10 out of 10 every single time. But yeah. she did say that um, we should we should think of the people who experience these things, even religious folks, she says, because I should mention her and her co-hosts are formal, formal, as opposed to informal. No, right. in- former, fuck me, mm-hmm. former evangelical Christians, which is a pretty hardcore version. Oh, wow. of yeah, And they both are. Yeah. But they said that you should approach those kinds of people with this mentality. There's an inward experience and an outward experience. Right. So you could, she used the example of Jesus. So I'm not an ass. This is her example. Okay. Someone outwardly says Jesus lived and et cetera. And she's like, okay, outwardly I can go and confirm through historical documents what evidence supports that. Yeah. And then when you take it a step further into the, supernatural kind of stuff is this boring you because she keeps yawning everybody no it's not you at all Mm -hmm. i've just had a long day and no nap i had a long day too yeah but i'm used to taking naps that's true i didn't get one you had a nap today and i have a toddler oh i am a toddler so i don't care what kind of day you had i have a fucking toddler (laughs) well i am a toddler and i have to go to work i know uh so inward and outward experiences so she's saying that when you take that perception that you have whatever whatever you're presenting your beliefs to be then she separates it into the stuff she knows isn't true factually right and she says that's an inward experience for them and she said what that means is inwardly i experience chest pains 
Yep. Feeling of doom. Hearing noises. Yeah. Outwardly, they couldn't they couldn't be proven. Uh, and she says, so you could you should approach these people with an inclusive mm. uh, vocabulary when you right. talk to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not Instead just of dismissive. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, just like oh, whatever, another kook, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like I've had otherworldly experiences that could obviously be explained by very basic science, you know, or coincidence. Otherworldly? Like ghostly. Uh-huh. You know, things happen. I'm waiting. Oh, I'm not going to tell them right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've already heard them anyways. Um, oh, so they've all been debunked. Yeah, they can all be debunked or brought, you know, to reason through coincidence and things like that. Um, but it doesn't change how I Oh, I see what you them. Mean. Yeah, that's an inward and outward yeah. one. No. Yeah, you separate the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get exactly what she's saying with that. That's good. That's all I got. I was just hoping you would... Uh carry this episode what do you think well i wanted to tell a really creepy ghost story and have it be like really fun like a fun creepy ghost story but that's gonna have to be for another episode because (laughs) once i like started this deep dive into this it was not uh as as fun and light-hearted as i uh hoped it would be so you thought, hey, I know what's fun and lighthearted. Familicide with a little bit of ghost on the side. Well, I had <laughs> I had kind of forgotten the whole like why this house is haunted, you know. And I, and why I never forgot because I never knew. Oh, okay. Um, so like we already said, I'm gonna be telling you the story of the most publicized haunted house of all time. The Amityville Horror House. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Uh, November 13th, 1974, six members of the DeFeo family were found murdered in their house at 112 Ocean Ave in Amityville, New York. Uh, Each member was found in their own beds, on their stomachs, having died by gunshot. Uh, Point blank, back of the head, right? Uh, I believe two were in the head and the rest were in the back, like mm. shot in the back. Um, the DeFeos were like the so-called perfect suburban Italian family. Um, oh, so it was a whole family that was shot. Yes. This sounds very lighthearted and wonderful. <laughs> Six people. Um, but it's said that, like, behind that whole facade are stories of connections to the mob and extreme violence within the home. Okay, the mob. The suburban Italian family in New York. They got you come to me to the mob. Right. in this day with ghost stories. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. I've never even seen that movie. Uh, a journalist was actually quoted saying, when you look behind the nice, quiet suburban street, there were troubles in that family. Um, so around 6.30 p.m. on November 13th, 1974, the eldest son of the DeFeo family, his name's Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr., um, but he goes by Ronnie and then Butch sometimes, so I'm just going to call him Ronnie for the rest of this. 
Um, he entered. Call me Butch. That should be my name for the show. <laughs> hey, Butch. That'll identify me. Better. Right. People will know right away. There you go. Uh, he enters Henry's bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, and loudly yells to everybody in the bar, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. So he's 23 at this Mm. point. Um, He has like a huge reputation in the community of being a violent drug user, a punk and a drunk who just wanted to gamble and fight. There's a lot of people in this documentary that I watched. It's a documentary from 2005 called uh, the Amityville horror, the true story or something. Mm. It's on YouTube. Um, it was really good, but they interview like a bunch of people, neighbors, people in the community. Fucking no one has anything nice to say about Ronnie DeVeo Jr. <laughs> they're like, he was a complete asshole. Oh, they're ruthless? Oh, yeah. Like everyone like hated him in the community. <laughs> he was just a like total dick, big drug user. Uh, like I said, got into fights all the time. Was just like that kind of guy, you know? Yeah. And then, That's like, it's gonna be when they interview me about you. <laughs> she was just a real asshole, like all, all the time. <laughs> Wanted to fight all the time. All the time. She was really sweet when she napped. Yeah. Oh. When she was eating. <laughs> oh, you took that as a compliment. You like, love it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they're really yeah. cute when they're sleeping and they had their babies. I wasn't even talking about possums. I know. I'm saying I'm like a possum. Kind of an asshole during the day. Mm-hmm. But real sweet. When- Don't touch my trash. Right. <laughs> uh, he gets this group of friends oh, together wait, from the wait. bar. What? You really are like a possum because you will I be like, Don't touch my it. trash and you'll hiss. And you have all your kids and all your animals on you all the time. All the time. Your cats, your dogs, your kids, everybody. I can't video chat you without a whole. I'm telling you. Without a whole production going my into it. My spirit animal. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, he and all of his friends. Uh, jump in a car, go down to the house, they bust in, um, and they find all six victims. Um, they find Ronnie Jr.'s parents, Ronald DeFeo Sr., he's 44, his mother, Louise DeFeo, she's 42, and his four siblings, Don, who's 18, Allison, 13, Mark, 12, and John Matthew, who was only nine. Jesus. Um, all of the victims had been shot with a 35 caliber lever action Marlin 336C rifle. Lever, eh? <laughs> See how that just rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> like, I know what I'm talking. Lever? Is it caliber lever action? Mm-hmm. Okay. Lever. Lever action Marlin. No, okay. Uh, the parents had both been, <laughs> the parents had both been shot twice. Ooh. Um, while the children had all been killed with single shots, physical evidence uh, suggests that Louise, the mom, and one of the sisters, Allison, were actually both awake at the time of their death, even did though they were all found in their bed. Yeah, did you say they were all found in their beds? They're all found in their own beds on their stomachs. So they didn't get up during the shots? No. Why not? I'll get, I They're just know. like, oh, just, you know, they're, you know, Butch is just shooting people again. I'm going to get into it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, According to Suffolk County Police, the victims were all found laying face down in bed. Uh, You know, like they had all been 
shot from behind while they were laying on their stomachs. Uh, Ronnie then starts telling the police, like, immediately how this must be, like, a mob hit. You know, he he tells the police that he had told some mob boss to, like, fuck off or something like that. And so they got pissed and they, you know, must have came in and killed his family. So uh, the police take him into custody, presumably, like, for his own safety, you know, because they don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, But they do question him about, okay, like, what did you do today? Like, you know. There's all these inconsistencies in his stories. And uh, the next day, he ends up stating to police, uh, quote, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. Um, He admitted that he had uh, taken a bath and redressed and then detailed where he had discarded the evidence, like his uh, bloodstained clothes and the, the gun and cartridges and all that. He had discarded them on his way to work, like... In a toss him out the window by a lake or something you know like that girl who tossed that guy's dick off that she <laughs> could drop, just yeah tossed it right out the window <laughs> right done with he, this yeah so he tells them you know where to find it all and do you and know those cops stuff. didn't want to grab it when they found it oh i know it's it's such fragile masculinity isn't that ridiculous it's so ridiculous <laughs> it's so ridiculous up. can you imagine you're just going for a walk and there's just a dick in the grass You'd pick it up. Well, it's not like they had to pick it up with their teeth. They have gloves <laughs> and shit on. So dumb. Oh, my God. Um, so the documentary that I was watching, um, they have some, like, very gruesome crime scene photos in it. Um, I'm sure you can find them online if that's something that you, you know, are interested in looking at. But there are some pretty graphic crime scene photos. Look at them. On the in the documentary, I didn't go like later and look up the photos, but I'm sure they're out there because they're in the documentary. There's it wasn't blurred or anything. No, Mm-mm. oh, that's rough. Yeah, um, and it definitely shocked like the whole neighborhood. Um, and one neighbor in the documentary, oh, it was horrible. He says he remembers watching the bodies being like removed from the house. And when they were moving one of the kids' bodies, the gurney, like, hit a bump, and the kid fell off the gurney. Like, his body, like, tumbled off the gurney onto the ground, and everybody's rushing to pick him up and put him back on and get him covered. It was just, it was Jesus horrific. You know, people were like, yeah, it was, it was not good. Um, so now we're going to come to Ronnie's uh, first story that he tells uh, the police. He says it was about 3.15 a.m. He uh, grabbed a gun, started in his parents' room, and systematically went to each sibling's room shooting, then showered, discovered the, or discarded the evidence, and made his way to work, went to work for the day, uh, got something to eat after work, and then went to the bar and proclaimed, you know, someone needs to help. I think my mom and dad are shot. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, because this all, like, the murders took place at about 3.15, 3.30 in the morning, and he didn't report anything till 6.30 at night. Um, but the autopsy report, report shows, this is where it's weird, no signs of struggle from anyone 
there's no drugs in anyone's system. No sleeping pills, anything that could knock them out. That's what I was going to say. Maybe that was yeah. it, but it's not. Eh? Nothing. There's nothing in their systems. Because again, they're all fa- found laying face down on their stomach in their own beds. There's no like pillow fluff everywhere? Because I mean, I've nope. heard of people. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, there's nothing like that's there's nothing to suggest that there was there's no like f- hard physical evidence showing that there was like a silencer used or anything like that. Um, because this gun apparently I don't know a lot about guns, but apparently this gun, nine shots were fired, and this specific type of gun, especially, is extremely loud. So the noise level of this gun was tested in the home and it said it could be heard four to five blocks away. Jeez. Yet there's no, no neighbors heard anything. Nobody called and reported any, any gunshots, any yelling, any fighting, nothing. The only thing that was um, reported after this was some neighbors said that around 3.30 in the morning, the DeFeo family dog was barking. Like, like a lot. Okay. Like my dog. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Fucking goddamn it. So now is the, the dog time. dog was late to the party, though, eh? Right. Now's the time that I should uh, tell you. Do you know what, what 3 a.m. Yes. signifies? Yes. So 3 a.m. Uh, signifies like a demonic hour. And it is because it mocks the Holy Trinity. Yeah. So. Which is. Mm-hmm. Father, Son, Ghost, so three, which is why 666 exists because yep. it mocks the Holy Trinity because it's double, right? Or not? Right. Or does, no, I think 666 exists because it mocks the, the sevens because there is 777. No, it's 666. Is, I, from what I think I know, it's a mock of the, the Holy Trinity. Well, from what I think I th- know about what you think you know, uh huh. I concur. Okay. <laughs> um, so the hours between 3 and 4 a.m. are considered the witching hour. Uh, creatures such as witches, demons, and ghosts are thought to appear and to be their most powerful. Interesting. Black magic is thought to be most effective at this time. And in the Western Christian tradition, the hour between 3 and 4 a.m. was considered a period of peak supernatural activity due to the absence of prayers in the canonical hours during this period. So, so wait a uh, minute. Because hmm. if it's 3 a.m. here, it's 3 p.m. over there, they're probably praying over there. So it only affects that time zone in that area? No, I think it was just it in general. 3 a.m. is the witching hour. Here's what I think. I think it's completely made up, so it makes no sense when you really examine it. Yeah, but how fun is the witching hour? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. Every hour with you is the witching hour. Okay? I love it. Especially when you haven't had a nap. Oh, I love it. The witching it'll be, hour. It'll be 8 in the morning. Hey, what are you doing? Good morning. What are you doing? Oh, just playing with my Ouija board, having some coffee. You know. Talking to the dead. Regular stuff. so ronnie defeo jr ends up with defense attorney william weber who's kind of this like sleazy long island defense attorney um he's gonna come back to the story later on uh but william weber the defense attorney decides to try uh an insanity plea Mm -hmm. um so this is where ronnie defeo jr's second story comes into play 
at 3.15 a.m., Ronnie Jr. was in the living room watching a war film. Um, He's fucked up on acid, which is something he generally was fucked up on acid or heroin or he, I mean, he was a big drug. He was a regular drug user. So it's not super far-fetched to, to say that he was fucked up on acid this night. Um, and he starts to hear his family in their rooms plotting against him. He can hear them, that these auditory hallucinations, he can hear them talking about killing him. Can you remind me what acid does to you? It just fucks you right up. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, can, can please... Um, it's, uh, visual hallucinations, auditory hallucinations. It's a psychedelic, I think. It is. But that's all I know. That's the extent. Um, but it's a man. the one that the walls breathe and you see colors? Oh, wait. No, you do see colors normally. You hear colors? (laughs) You do see colors normally. (laughs) You do see colors. Yeah, I think, like, it's, it's, it's a man-made thing, you know? Like, it's not like shrooms where you can, like, take a fun trip i mean acid is like it's pretty hardcore stuff he's tripping pretty hard at this point and he starts to hear you know his family in other rooms talking about him um it's at this point that this woman comes into the room and she's wearing this dark hooded uh like cloak Mm. and her hands are black um like uh like coal or yeah like charred and she presents ronnie with this gun (laughs) and tells him to go do it and so he does he systematically walks into his mom and dad's room shoots them both twice and then walks to each bedroom and shoots them now if you believe this story this would account for why nobody was getting up right there's a demonic force in the house that's helping him okay said that that demonic force also had a hold on the people in the house Mm -hmm. and helped silence the gun silence screams and and assure that nobody awoke during this did they test the home for carbon monoxide poisoning maybe they were i'm not that. sure <laughs> i don't think they did okay um the defense actually had a psychiatrist uh like on their team that agreed that ronnie defeo jr was in fact insane blah 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 wait what do you mean uh, blah 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 don't you like, think if someone kills their whole family they're insane well, there's there, there's a difference. There's a difference between being a psychopath and being criminally insane to the point where to be declared insane in a court of law, you have to not know if something is right or wrong. You can be a psychopath who can kill your family. Wait a minute. Are you sure about that? Yes. Criminally insane means that you are so you are insane. incapable of knowing the consequences of your actions. Because you're insane in some yes. form. That's a true story. Yes. Because I know people who get off on criminal insanity and they weren't insane up until that moment. Just something driv- drove them to be insane. You think you know a lot of those stories, but you don't. 
it's really <laughs> not, a, I'm telling you what I've like learned doing a lot of this stuff is it's, you hear it all the time, especially in movies and shows, you know, they go for like the criminal insane plea, blah, blah, blah. It's not something that can actually be done very effectively. Be considered criminally insane? Yes. It is a, a hard one. Very, very hard defense. Okay. To push through. Because you can be insane and kill your family and still know that killing your family is wrong. You have to prove that in that moment, you did not know that what you were doing was wrong. You did not have a grasp of what the consequences of your actions would be. Can I tell you what Google says? Yep. <laughs> you sound enthused. No, I could just see you on your phone. So tell me. <laughs> Who Googles too much? Good God. This I'm relationship listening. sounds exhausting. <laughs> Let me Google it. <laughs> the insanity defense, also known as the mental disorder defense, is an affirmative defense by excuse in a criminal case, arguing that the defendant is not responsible for his or her actions due to an episodic or persistent psychiatric disease at the time of the criminal act. So it doesn't say that you didn't know right from wrong. I mean, maybe it does in more detail. Yeah, because you can be a psychopath and you don't get it. Ted Mundy is a verifiable psychopath. He didn't get an insanity plea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have to be able to say that I am so crazy. I am so mentally disturbed and, and incapable of controlling myself that I did not know what I was doing. I was incapable of knowing. So what then, what, what, how would you get off if you killed someone sleepwalking? It wouldn't be criminal insanity then? No. Wouldn't it? Because you don't know what's right from wrong if you're sleepwalking. That's not criminal insanity. That's some underlying health condition. Extenuating circumstance. Yeah? Well, they'd have to prove it. Okay. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't fucking know. (laughs) I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) I'm a lawyer. Uh On November 21st, 1975, DeFeo was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. And on December 4th, 1975, Judge Thomas Stark sentenced DeFeo to six concurrent life sentences, or six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life. So he did not win with his insanity plea. So six times 25 is what he's doing? Uh, Yeah. Okay. 25 years to life times six. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he's done. Yeah, he's currently held at the Sullivan... Uh, oh, because because of his LSD? No, I don't even think that really came into it. I don't know that they do the death penalty there. Or it just wasn't on the table. I don't know. If it was back in the day, they definitely did the death penalty. I think the death 75? penalty... 75? Not that back in the day. Well, I mean, they were... But what I'm saying is, we've haven't we come less death penalty? And back then, we were more pro-death penalty? I think, I think it was more pro-death penalty around 40s, 50s, 60s. What I know... About the death penalty, um, first of all, would, would, would not fill a thimble. But what right. I do know is that to get out of it, it has to be mitigating. So mitigating could be like, you know, I don't know. But in this case, it could be the LSD. Yeah, I'm not sure. It de- nothing that I read or watched brought said anything about the death penalty. Yeah. Well, fuck him. Put him to death is all I say. <clears throat> He's currently held at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in New York. Um, and all of his appeals and requests to the parole board to date have been denied. Um, 
Ronnie Jr. was stated as saying, we were a really close family. It's a shame what happened, but it happened. And later quoted, the devil made me do it. <laughs> um, there's still a lot of controversy around the murder. So I'm not totally done with the murder side of it yet. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. Um, because Ronnie Jr. has changed his story several times. He has like nine or ten different stories. He right sounds now. like a reliable source. Yeah, and you can watch interviews with him. Um, he did a 1986 interview with Newsday. And so you can um, look them up and watch them in full. He has like a very Manson-esque look to him. Like the wild eyes and Which wild... Manson? Charles Manson. Oh, okay. Um, oh my God, I just like burped right into the microphone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wonderful. I told you Howard Stern does that. You're a professional oh, now. Oh, Jesus. Do not cut that. Um, You're a <laughs> he has like, yeah, like a lot of people were comparing him to Charles Manson, you know, and he has like a New Jersey accent. What uh, about the fan base uh, Charlie had? No, uh, uh, it's not. It's not the same. Good. As far as I could tell, there was not a fan. Ba- He's not like a handsome dude. He just had the same kind of like. Neither is Charlie Manson. No, but Charles Manson had charisma, whereas mm. this guy has none. No <laughs> charisma. Um, he That's just, a mitigating factor right yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> charismatic. Put him to death. <laughs> as interesting as a wet dish towel. Yeah. Give the, him the death penalty. The personality <laughs> of a pillowcase. Um, a pillowcase? Yeah, that's my favorite. I haven't favorite. heard that one. What's my favorite one? My mom used to always say that. Your mom would say that? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with a pillowcase? Some pillowcases are- on Bob's Burgers where Louise is talking about her friend in school, not her friend, the girl she hates. And she says, she's so bland and boring. If she was a spice, she would be flour. <laughs> Ouch. That one's a good one, too. Yeah, that's good. Um, hey, did they but- ever figure out about how they didn't wake up? No. I'm- oh. Well, let me keep going. Oh, okay. You might have some more theories. Um. So in this interview in 1986, Hmm. DeFeo claimed that his sister Dawn, who was 18 at the time, uh, killed their father with the gun. And then their distraught mother killed Dawn and the siblings. And then Ronnie killed his mom for killing his siblings. So (laughs) there's... So they just kill him and they say, hey, I'm going to... I'm going to fuck off now and crawl into bed. Yeah. Well, he's saying at first he said, Don was mad at my dad because their dad was like a very violent, like John, uh, Ron, Ronald DeFeo senior was a very alcoholic, abusive father and husband. Um, welcome to the seventies. I don't know what yes. else. Jesus Christ. What a wonderful family. Can you imagine yeah. going to their family dinner? Their it family was really dinner? bad. Like one of the journalists uh, in the documentary was saying this went well beyond like normal family conflict. Yeah. It was beatings, yelling, like it was insanity. Um, I wonder he's tripping on LSD on a Tuesday night. Well, at one point they actually took Ronnie Jr. to a uh, like mental health facility and the the doctors at the mental health facility told Ronnie Sr., Ronald Sr., and the mother, Louise, 
told them, your son is going to kill you guys. <laughs> like, he is going to kill you. Oh, my God. And they were like, yeah, well, we'll just beat it out of him. <laughs> so basically, the dad thought, you know. Oh, so, so I this guess- episode is about physical punishment versus intervention. And we just I decided. Suppose. I suppose. I suppose. I, I mean, it was the 70s. Piece of the puzzle. Doesn't yeah. work. Go ahead. Um, but I guess Dawn was having a lot of issues with her dad, too. She had, like, just turned 18. She had a boyfriend. She wanted to, like, move away with that boyfriend, and dad wouldn't let her. And so she had, like, mentioned a lot of times that she wanted to just fucking kill her dad. So what Ronnie's saying is that night she went, killed the dad. Mom saw, freaked out mom kills Don and then kills the rest of the siblings for some reason and then ronnie comes home sees what's happened and in a rage kills his mom and then blood spatter analysis should be able to say who he shot first though in the room where the parents are because of Mm -hmm. stuff i think let's ask dexter go ahead (laughs) um his other story is that he and Don had been hanging out together they're both fucked up. Maybe not they're both fucked up. He's fucked up for sure. She could have established been because she didn't have any drugs in her system. There you go. But he's real fucked up for sure. And they're both talking about killing their father. They're both plotting about it, how they're going to kill their dad because they both fucking hate him. Um, but Ronnie leaves for a little bit, presumably to like go get some drugs. And when he comes home, Dawn has killed everyone in the house. Don killed the dad, the mom, and all of the siblings. That still doesn't answer the question. If Don did it, there's still people not waking up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That question doesn't get answered. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It doesn't. It's going to bother um, me. So he says that he comes home, realizes that she's, he was okay with her killing his dad or their dad. But the fact that she's taken out everybody in the house, he goes into this huge rage and kills her. And he says this is the story that he wanted to share from the beginning. But it is, there were police and things that corroborated the fact that when he, in his first interrogation, his grandfather, who does have actual connections to the mob that has been proven, um, he showed up at the police station and took Ronnie Jr. aside and said, I don't want to hear a fucking thing about your sister. I don't want to hear anything about this family. Do not drag this family through the mud anymore. You take this and you go sit with it. Mm. And so that's when he tells the police, I just systematically walked in and killed them all. And he drops this story about, you know, Don having done it and blah, blah, blah. There's, um... There's a lot of rumors of an incestuous relationship between Ronnie Jr. and Don. Um, everybody said that they had like this very close bond that went beyond something that was appropriate for a brother and sister. Cross boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that there might have been some uh, incestuous ties between them. And that that's what their grandfather was insinuating. Like, I don't want to hear anything about this. Don't you dare even talk about it. You, you know, you, you killed everybody in this house and you're going to go, that's what you're going to go say. And so he did. Um, 
there's no proof, of course, that there was an incestuous relationship. So, I, I mean, who knows? I, I really. What did the people say who hate him in the interviews? They were all just kind of like, you know, it was it was a strange relationship between the two of them. Hmm. But they're also the two oldest siblings in the house. They've gone through this abuse the longest. Yeah, I would describe your and Taylor's relationship as strange. <laughs> <laughs> not in that way, not an incestuous way. Holy shit. I'm just saying I would describe it as strange just because, you know, like you were saying, they're the two oldest. Mm. Uh, so maybe they what I'm saying, you perv. Good lord. Is that the people they interviewed were probably just saying it was strange. That's it. Not incestuous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that years later a DEA a DEA agent came for that stand for? Sarah? Um go ahead. Department. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it stands for? Department? Drug no, Enforcement Authorities? Who's Drug Enforcement Agency? Oh, whatever. You oh, had someone honey. feeding you the answer. <laughs> Department? Everyone? Um, so a DEA agent came forward to a reporter, I believe, to state that he was actually, he was a part of a stakeout. They were staking out the DeFeo house because Ronnie Jr. was so... Um, involved oh, yeah. in drugs and things like that they had kind of been like watching him for a while and trying to get like some details about whether people were coming to the house to buy drugs where he was going you know things like that because he was a, a very heavy drug user right he says that the night that the murders took place what he saw was a woman come out of the house in a dark hooded jacket please just let me finish in a dark hooded jacket carrying a rifle he presumed it was dawn he he thought it was dawn it looked like dawn that she came out in this hooded jacket with the rifle left for a while maybe to i don't know what and came back okay they didn't stop her with a rifle no no crime is being committed Uh You know, and they don't want to blow their cover. Yeah. You know, like nothing's, he didn't say I heard gunshots. I heard screaming, you know, any of that. All he heard or all he saw was someone, presumably Dawn, a woman. DEA agent, write a book. No. Mm. Mm -mm. Did he do interviews? Uh, No, he went to like this one journalist and talked about it as far as I can tell. But start searching. No, uh uh. Mm. not it didn't seem that way to me from the documentary and things like that like he wasn't in it they didn't i don't even think they named him because you did say four blocks away and if they're staking them out the same night it happened i don't understand yeah i'm telling you it's a really fucking weird story and we're not even to the ghost shit yet (laughs) 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 the whole thing is fucking weird sarah but can i say an inappropriate joke i suppose you're gonna kick me off the podcast i'll just cut it out if it's distasteful. Mm-hmm. Will you really? You'll kick me off? Mm-hmm. Can I tell you a joke and you tell me if it's distasteful so I know whether sure. or not to use it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> what, do you, what do you get when you get raped by a ghost? An abortion. Vanessa Tyler. <laughs> I'm leaving that in just so that you can direct your hate mail to her. <laughs> <laughs> and not me. Okay. 
But, okay, so this DEA agent's story does give a little bit of credence to... So we believe him. I believe that the DEA agent probably did see that. Okay, under the presumption we believe him. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Um, it gives a little bit of credence to think about this. Ronnie Jr. fucked up on acid. Mm. His sister comes in in a hooded jacket, hands him a rifle, says, okay, let's do this. They've already talked about this plot to kill someone, okay? But Ronnie Jr. is fucked up on acid. So what does he see? He doesn't see his sister in, a, in her hooded jacket handing him the rifle. What does he see? Right. A woman in a right. dark cloak with charred hands handing him this rifle, telling did him the, what to do. Did the kids all stay in one room? Uh, no, I believe it was four bedrooms. Because I was going to say she could tell the kids to just relax. That's what, that's what people are saying, is that he went in, did the parents, and she's kind of keeping the kids at bay, but he's so fucked up that by the time it gets to the end of it, he just kills Dawn, too. But she was in bed. He, he could have, he has the gun. He could say, get your fucking ass in bed. She could have volunteered Lay and wanted to be over. Wait, wait, what was she wearing? You saw the pictures. I don't remember. You would have remembered if she was wearing a hood. Because she doesn't mean she off. kept it on. Yeah, she could have taken it off. Yeah. Um, there's other, you know, conspiracies that like it had to have been several people, um, you know, keeping keeping the kid, you know, keeping people quiet, um, things like that. That maybe people, maybe the fact that they were all laying on their stomachs is because they were told turn around and lay on your stomach, you know, and it wasn't that they were all sleeping that way. They were told this is what you need to do. It's the only thing that makes sense. Um, but they've never been able to, because he, then Ronnie Jr. does end up saying in some interview, um, I'm one of three people that was in that home, but I'll never say who else was there with me. Yeah, it, it, He's just. What a douche. She's just yeah. it confusing. Yeah. Um, anyway, the anyway, Amityville home is put up for sale. <laughs> Wonderful. Mm -hmm. What a lovely home. And a couple with a young family named uh, George and Kathy Lutz buy this is the a true home. story. They buy the house, yes. So now let's get to some ghost shit. <laughs> okay. Let's get to some carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> so the Lutzes discuss the events that had taken place as at, taken place at the house as a family. They're like hey this is what's happened they have three young kids apparently they sit these kids down they're like this is what happened can we all live with this we've got a smoking deal on this house and you want to know what's really fucked up aside from the blood-stained mattresses the house came fully furnished fuck off i swear to god <laughs> they kept all of the defeos like furniture everything is still in it Tell me they know what they're doing. They know about the murder, right? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying is they all sat down as a family like, look, this is what's happened here. Can can we live with this? And they all decided that, yes, they would be okay with the history of the house. That is. What's your answer to that? Fuck no. Yeah, that's my answer. I don't know, though. The house is really beautiful. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so you're saying you would hold out until Isaac was like, you can have your animal sanctuary here for possums, raccoons, and giant snails. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to do it as quick. I feel like they moved in like several weeks after it happened. 
Jesus. Yeah. Like it was very, a very quick turnaround. But they Look got the lenses into this house. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so Listen, the- what if they, what if they all conspired to move in? That's why they would move in quick. They all, did they write any books? Did they make any money? Yes. Okay. So that's why <laughs> they bought the house. They were like, listen, you're not even letting me tell you. Can we lie to everybody we know and make money off of it and buy this house and tell them ghost stories? Then they all said yes. You would say yes to that. There's money involved. Maybe. Yeah, and you don't believe in any of that shit. All <laughs> right, I ruined it. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the first day that they are there, their dog tries to kill itself. How? Um, you know whose dog tries to kill itself? <laughs> Paris Hilton's dog. <laughs> Get me out of the stroller. Every single one. Go ahead. Harry, their black lab, while on like a, a lead in the yard, jumped over a fence and tried to like hang itself on the like it made it a noose basically over so the, the fence. So the dog tried to jump over a fence. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it tried to hang itself, Vanessa. <laughs> no rufus so uh live a good friend of theirs suggests like hey maybe you should get like a priest in here to bless this hellhole mm-hmm. um so they get a hold of this catholic priest and call him in to come do a blessing on the home not an exorcism or anything like that just to come do a, a basic catholic blessing to the home mm um so it's clean yeah so he he comes out and he tells uh mr lutz that bedroom upstairs don't ever use that as a bedroom and george is like well we were planning on using it as like a sewing room and he's like that's fine but don't don't put your kids in there um he claimed that he he felt something quote and (laughs) And heard a demonic voice saying, get out. (laughs) Probably just you trying to take a nap. (laughs) Get out. Stop blessing my room. (laughs) Um, So they're like, okay, that's fucking weird. But the house is blessed now. And we weren't going to use that for a bedroom anyways. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. It's going to be a sewing room. So they're okay with it. They're like, you know, whatever. This is ridiculous. It gets better. Uh, I'm so happy it gets better. So within the first few days, George Lutz keeps waking up at 3.15 a.m. Oh, come on. I, let me tell you something. I wake up every day at 3.15 or 3 a.m. And mm-hmm. I told this to the, the girl I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's so smart. I love her. Sends me a screenshot. Just instantly debunks it. <laughs> yeah. Love her so much. Uh, you know what my <laughs> screenshot would be? The witching hour. Yeah, I know. That was your screenshot would be. It would be to fucking ruin my fuck. I couldn't fall back asleep. That's right. Uh, our screenshot says that we go into... Oh, she's so smart. I love her. She says that we go into deep REM. Yeah. And then you wake up several times during that. But yeah. because you're in such deep REM, you don't actually wake up. Right. Right. Means, right. Yeah. And as you get further into your sleep, you when when you have that wake up you actually don't recover you don't go back to sleep right in that you wake same up. rem state so that's why a lot of people wake up very early in the morning before their alarm has gone off mm. we all do it's just some of us are heavy sleepers we can fall right back asleep and not recall it at all right you know what i mean well but if you recall 
3.15 a.m. is when the DeFeos were murdered. If, if you also recall, the fucking witching hour. <laughs> you'll recall that not all clocks are accurate, so fuck off. Could have been any time. Could have been 2.59, then the whole story is debunked if the clock is off by 16 minutes or he's lying by 16 minutes. I'm going to keep going. Well. Yeah, I know you're going to keep going. Uh, George says that within the first few weeks, he's losing lots of weight. He's constantly sick, having to miss a lot of work. It, they referenced several times that his personal hygiene had changed. I don't know what the fuck that means. He just stopped showering. I don't, I don't, but it's very specifically stated on like, wikipedia on this documentary those are the two like major sources that i used Mm -hmm. and both of them say his personal hygiene changed in the first couple weeks so it's like i guess he just stopped showering looked more sure scraggly and unwell listen i have an ex-girlfriend who described me exactly the same so it wasn't ghostly reasons it was just (laughs) i wanted her to get away from me right (laughs) just kidding he's uh no she's not uh, bye a- bye <laughs> uh, I hope she's listening bye <laughs> bitch bye uh, he's undergoing like personality changes so he was once like a just normal fun loving husband and dad now he's he snaps at his family he's yelling he's constantly on edge very irritable and he could not get warm like this is a huge point in the story and it's also what i think is the best part of uh the 2005 ryan reynolds amityville horror movie they focus a lot on this where he's like constantly chopping wood remember yeah Yeah. so that's what they say that he was doing he was constantly chopping wood to um stoke this uh fireplace that they had in the living room because he was ridiculously cold all the time like cold to the touch he could not it was driving him insane that he could not get warm. Mm. Everything in his in his body, on his body, he just felt this bone chilling cold. And so he was, you know, constantly trying to remedy that. Um, Kathy, on the other hand, feels um, embraced by the presence of a woman. Um, but she said it wasn't anything like why can I have those kinds of dreams? Right. <laughs> was it, it actually was described as a woman that would, um, uh, oh my God, I'm going to say it wrong. I want to say that they said a, a woman that would take her from behind in an embrace. <laughs> <laughs> and that was me. <laughs> <laughs> she said it wasn't like a malicious thing. It was like a, like a mothering type feeling of this woman like embracing her so someone coming up from behind you to hug you and embrace you yeah you describe that as someone taking them from behind (laughs) now we know (laughs) i love it i didn't i didn't say that i'm saying that's how it was referred to that's how you recall it being referred to because probably that's how you yeah that's how you banked it you're like oh she took her from behind that's right jesus ghost rape so they start reporting swarms of of flies, which you also see in the movie. Mm. It's a big point in the movie, right? So, and it's midwinter, so it's not normal that there would be these swarms of flies. You know, they said that the one bedroom upstairs was covered in dead flies, and you know, well, the, flies like bullshit. 
Right. And the flies would, you know, appear and, and swarm around and things like that. When you say report, they're reporting this to somebody who cares? Mm, the author of the book. Mm. You know, this is all after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, their daughter, Missy, starts to explain <laughs> that she has a new friend named Jody. And Jody represents herself as a large pig. Which sounds awesome. It does. (laughs) Sounds like everything we want. Taken from behind. Presents. Big old pig. Big old pig. I'll buy this house now. (laughs) I could deal with flies. I guess the pig told Misty. um, Oh, the pig speaks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the pig speaks. It's told her. My name's Jody. Sarah, Sarah. What? They have to swap out the goat from the witch with a pig. Oh, would you freak out if it was like a demonic pig talking? Like, would you like to live deliciously and and (laughs) slides a plate of bacon? Bacon? (laughs) Would thou love? Yes, I would. (laughs) Say no more. Um, But I guess Jody, the the large pig, told Missy um, how happy she she was that Missy was going to be living here forever. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, they'd hear screams and footsteps at night. Uh, the temperature in the house would vary. It would spike really high and then drop really low. Uh, their toilets and their china dishes started turning black. Okay. Um, with like, uh, paint kind of like, um, what I'm assuming they were getting at was the woman with the black hands charred, you know? Please. Um, they finally flee the home January 14th, 1976. Please. And there's they, flies and our sh- dishes are turning black. Right. They, they never returned. They've spent a total of 29 days in the house before they leave. Hmm. Um, they have never really discussed what exactly made them leave that night, but it is alluded to being something very terrible, very evil, and very frightening. Um, what I think they're alluding to, because it's not like they won't talk about it, the Lutzes. They wouldn't talk about it in the book. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do it of, of what happened that final night before they left. What I think that they're alluding to is that George Lutz snapped and tried to do something to the family. Yeah. And they said, we're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's what I think they're trying to allude to, at least. Um, but George Lutz is quoted. I was as- thinking the pig tried to take someone from behind. <laughs> but that's that's plausible that's as well. That's a Black Mirror episode. That's a Black Mirror. Yeah, season one episode. <laughs> the pig. Wait, no, it's the, it's the pig yeah. strikes back. That's right. <laughs> Pissed. Uh, George Lutz is quoted as saying, I will never be able to set aside what had gone on that night and the boys, where they looked and what they said when they came down that morning. We did not move in and move out as the same family. All of us were quite frightened by the time we left and knew of no fear when we moved in. And the fear alone was something that changed all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, Where are they now? Well, they fled and they ended up moving in with Kathy's mother. Um, that's how they, you know, they, they describe it as something truly frightening that they could not live with happened that night 
that forced them to leave. I hear you. Um, Listen, if you're going to go move in with your mother-in-law, I'll buy it. Yeah, right? Like Things somebody... must be pretty bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I would think, right? Get me the fuck out of here. Um, it's only Did a couple... Did they take any of the furniture? No, they leave everything. Their, their stuff shit. included. Mm. They leave it all. Interesting. Okay. Maybe um, it was just carbon monoxide. I don't know. Or group psychosis. Explains the dead flies. No. What's group psychosis? Where one person starts freaking out and then everybody starts freaking out because they're feeding off of that one, you know, feeding off of one person's delusions. Like when you held your seance and you pretended you were channeling Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And everybody else said, I hear it too. One of my favorite memes. It's, I don't know, it's very inappropriate. But there's a little (laughs) girl. There's a little girl at church praying and it says, uh, uh, Jesus loves me. This I know. Group psychosis tells me so. <laughs> Do you remember singing that song in church? That one's good. Yeah, <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. Um, You're bad. I know. <laughs> you know the original, right? Jesus no. loves me. This I know. For the yes, Bible tells I me so. That. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> uh, so it's only a couple. Version, weeks. It? Yeah. It's only a couple weeks later that Ronnie DeFeo Jr.'s defense attorney, remember I told you he'd be coming back to this story, Mm. William Weber, is giving a press conference um, that he's filing an appeal on on the behalf of Mr. DeFeo. That appeal obviously never worked out. Like I said in the beginning, all appeals, you know, they didn't go anywhere. But what's interesting is that he also states that he is now working with and representing George and Kathy Lutz. Now, why the fuck is he representing George and Kathy Lutz? Yeah, what are they representing them for? What did yeah, they do? There's no, there's no crime that's been committed. Oh. But he's working alongside them. Okay, that's uh, what he says. He's working with George and Kathy Lutz. In case they kill their family. Right. The Lutzes say... That they thought that working with William Weber, the defense attorney, they were going to find out what had happened in their home, if it, ha- if it had truly, if the home had truly uh, driven Ronnie Jr. to kill his family, and if it was affecting them, their own family, in the same way. Uh, the defense attorney... <laughs> He's on the documentary. Like I said, he's like a total sleazeball, but he is pretty honest in this section of it from what I can tell. Mm. He's like, look, they called me up. I spent hours and hours with them drinking wine, all hours of the evening, getting smashed. I showed them all the photos of the crime scene. I uh, told them details about the murders that they had never known. And we basically hatched this possession and haunting story. He's like, I already had reps coming to me with large advances for a book or a movie deal. Um, with the Lutz? Yes. Ah. And this is Ronnie DeFeo Jr.'s defense attorney. Right. Right? Like the man who actually murdered this whole family. Now, he also says that he's the attorney. He represented the guy who murdered the family. Yeah, he was his attorney. Yeah. His defense attorney. Right. Um, he, he says, or someone else says, I can't remember, 
that they were talking about how he was hoping because he was filing that appeal at that time that he would be able to basically get it in the news, get enough shit kicked up about the Lutzes and what they were experiencing in this house, that it would put that seed of something demonic is in this house. Now, if we get an appeal for Ronnie DeFeo Jr., Uh. maybe we can have some seeds of doubt planted in that jury pool that it was something otherworldly that made him do what he did. You know what I mean? Yeah, sounds like this guy shouldn't be a lawyer. Sounds crooked as fuck. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Uh, Weber's basically telling them, like, look, we can get movies, book deals, film deals. Um, He brings over contracts and things for the Lutzes to sign. He says that as soon as the Lutzes saw in the contract that Ronnie DeFeo Jr. was going to get 5% of all proceeds. So it was in Weber's contract that whatever they made on film, TV, books, Ronnie DeFeo Jr., murderer, was going to get 5%. The Lutzes broke off all contact with Weber at that point. (laughs) This is when... Ed and Lorraine Warren come in. Oh, no. <laughs> not the ones uh, I love from The Conjuring, not the actors who play them. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren are Connecticut-based psychic investigators. You okay. don't like them. I fucking hate the Warrens. I know you do. I really... We could do a whole episode on just the Warrens. Well, we need an episode idea. Despise <sighs> <I> <laughs> them. Do you feel exhausted thinking about that? Yeah, and Lorraine Warren is in this documentary. Oh, great. Um, Ed has passed away, but she's probably passed away by now, too. Maybe not. I don't know. But even when they when they open up with her talking, she straight out says, Warner Brothers has the right to the rights to our lives. Talking about her and Ed. Yeah. Like Warner Brothers literally owns all of their stories all their yeah their experiences etc everything owns their lives that's what she says and she doesn't necessarily say it in a bad way she's just saying look this is what i'm known for this is what i do this is what me and my husband have done and warner brothers owns the rights to our lives they sound wonderful. very strange yeah um they get involved because a local tv station <laughs> channel five on march 6th of 1976 they put together uh, this journalist, Laura DiDio. She's in the documentary as well. Um, they put together uh, this team of psychics <laughs> with Ed and Lorraine Warren and a couple other psychics and some film crew and her, the journalist, Laura. What? Can I interrupt? Uh-huh. <laughs> have you seen? Oh, everyone, you're going to get so sick of my South Park references. But have you seen the South Park episode where Cartman tries to fly no. by jumping off the edge of the roof. No. Well, he hits his head and then he thinks he's a psychic. Because he Bob's wakes Burgers has an episode like this. Yeah, he wakes up from his coma, quote mm. unquote, and someone's like, I can't find my keys. And he's like, it's probably in your pocket. And then they pull it out. They're like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> yeah. Right? So but he so he becomes a psychic detective and other psychic detectives get pissed off at him. Right. And what I'm trying to reference here, because I'm getting to it, I swear. Mm-hmm is a psychic showdown between them where they they have a battle of psychicness, I uh-huh. guess. And it's just them holding their hands to their forehead or putting their hands out waving and right. going, 
just doing that constantly for that's like so five funny, minutes straight. That's what Linda does on Bob's Burgers. She holds her hands to her temples and goes, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, loud and obnoxious, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I love that episode. Isn't that what they do, though? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yes. Just some people believe it. That's we do it. plan on doing a whole episode about psychics, too. So, oh, can we please do that one next week? I'm ready for it. It's just so. Maybe I'll have you take the lead on that one. What are you gonna do? Because it's a lot of research. Just you know, my commentary. Okay. No, I'll 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 pick somebody from there that I hate. Maybe that fucking Long Island medium that I can't goddamn stand. That's a whole episode just her. <gasps> but I uh, we'll have to figure out how we can chop clips up because the last episode that nine one one call didn't sound very good. We gotta get we gotta figure out how we can play clips because I've got some good clips when it comes to psychics. We'll test it out. Bullshitting each other. Yeah. We'll yeah. test it out before we release it. Don't worry, guys. We're going to figure our shit out. We will get it together. <laughs> um, so they set out to investigate this house. Now, it said that George Lutz meets them like at the like grass line of the house to give them the keys to go in. He won't even like step on the yard of the house okay he just hands the journalist the keys like i'm not going one step further right interesting fact his cousin mm -hmm. is the cop who wouldn't pick up the dick off the ground are you being for real lorena yeah no you're not i know i can't believe you believe me well because you're looking down at your phone so i thought <laughs> you're such a dick you are a <laughs> chopped dick <laughs> um no i have an interesting fact for you when you're ready that's why i'm looking at my phone uh uh what's her name lorraine warren says you knew that this house was infested by something other than human spirit um she goes on to say it was more than obvious for sure uh the journalist laura right out the bat says look nothing happened to me but things were happening to people around me and it just kind of goes crazy from there um she says first the cameraman uh he gets to the landing on the second floor and all of a sudden has these stabbing chest pains which i mean could be from like lugging a fucking huge camera up <laughs> stairs i would assume yeah this happens to us all the time we're so pissed right. out of shape yeah um there's this overwhelming uh feeling of sadness on the second floor psych psychics could feel quote bad vibes which like <laughs> oh shit <laughs> fucking people had just been murdered there like uh, months before uh, another south park reference <laughs> they do a ghost hunters parody episode mm -hmm. and the ghost hunters come into like stan's house or something and they've got the infrared on on their camera uh -huh. and they like start freaking out like oh god I'm there's a presence or something yeah. i'm so scared i'm so scared he's like there's some kind of ghost uh ectoplasm it's warm and it's going down my leg and he's just pissing <laughs> his pants that's all he's doing he's just pissing his pants that's how i really see ghost hunters though when i watch it well yeah they start everybody starts going crazy they're seeing the face of this young girl crying and weeping while she's staring into this white light uh lorraine starts a seance okay in the middle of all of this fucking craziness Perfect lorraine time. starts doing a seance where she says she starts to feel evil from the bowels of the earth <laughs> come through um there's bodies with white 
sheets all over them <laughs> um, floating through the room. There's hooded figures um, looking in through windows and mirrors and doors. Um, there's doors slamming. There's, you know, but the journalist right from the beginning says, I did not see any of the shit. I saw everybody like being crazy. <laughs> I saw how it was affecting everyone else. She's like, but I personally did not feel, see any of it. This journalist knows exactly how you and I feel. And yeah, she's like, all I, all I could see was how it was affecting everybody else in the room. But Except it wasn't for me. Yeah, it just wasn't right. doing it for me. Isn't that you in church? church. <laughs> yeah, that's what I just said. They yeah. know exactly how we feel in church. Yep. <laughs> um, Lorraine is quoted as saying, as looking to one of the other psychics, or no, it might have even been Ed, her husband. She looks to him and says, I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. Oh, she's so dramatic. Um, she starts throwing uh, holy water. And they said that it was, it was making the same sounds as like, if you were to flick water on a hot stove, you know, yeah, that like sizzling. That. I'm sure. Bit. Um, Ed takes out a crucifix and it's thrown back by a gust of wind, which he proclaimed was a legion of demons, mm -hmm. um, coming through to attack him again. He's a big man. It couldn't have been one demon or two. Right. Legion. Yeah. He's a strong guy. That's right. Uh, uh, again, the reporter did not see anything or feel anything aside from the reactions of the people around her. You know what? I wish we had the ability to film shit, like quality shit, like even be quality, because how great would that, how great of a fucking movie scene? I don't know what the whole movie's about in my head right now, mm -hmm. but the scene is their description of the experience and all this chaos, right. door slamming, this guy's flying against the wall. Mm -hmm. This bitch is throwing a seance. Yep. Water's getting thrown and sizzling on the ground. Mm -hmm. Just super hyperbolic, dramatic, well shot, right? Yeah. And then it just cuts to the journalist's point of view. Like. And things are quiet and they're just acting like crazy yeah. people. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're flicking the holy water. They're making the sounds <laughs> themselves. <laughs> it comes out of their mouth. <laughs> She's slamming the door. Right. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's coming window. off the hinges. <laughs> How good. great of a scene would that be? Yeah, we got to do a little skit or something. I know. We got to figure that out. Um, during this time, they had set up uh, some cameras that were taking um, pictures like every 10 or 15 seconds, you know, like on their own. Yeah. Um, automated. Uh, honey, what am I trying to say? It Like the photos are on a timer. Yeah. Okay. Um. One I photo. How many listeners were expecting me to say that, and they're like, <laughs> "Why is she calling her honey?" Wait a second. <laughs> uh, so the person that's developing the photos, okay. Uh, oh, they're developed photos. She wasn't okay. there. Mm. Okay, she wasn't there that night, but she's developing the photos, and she's pregnant. And she said every time she would get to this one particular photo of um of this doorway the baby in her belly would jump uh -huh. every time she would touch or look at this photo. So mm. they start looking at it closer and I've sent you the picture. Oh, great. And if you look closer at the photo, you see the figure of a little boy 
peering out from the doorway. And it is like a truly terrifying photo. Wait a minute. That's a little boy? Yeah. Let me look at it again. And he like has like these kind of glowing eyes. No, those are glasses reflecting the flash off the camera. Well, no, it could just be his eyes reflecting. You need to stop right now. I'm just saying at face value, it is a creepy picture. It looks like they were in the middle of yelling. Sarah, you can, will you open the photo right now and zoom in on that face and tell me you don't see glasses clear as day. Listen, I already know. No, zoom in and see it for yourself. I already know the... uh... But it looks like his mouth or tongue is open. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I guess I do see glasses. Thank you. But it's a creepy picture, right? If someone were just like... The mouth is creepy. And this, the picture that I showed you is very zoomed in. But when you look at just the full picture, it's like a full shot of this hallway. And right, then it's the subtle. Corner, it, yeah, is this like subtle, terrifying little boy with glowing yeah. eyes in the Listen, corner. that's the photo bomb of the 70s right there, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's creepy. Okay. Sarah, I cannot get an image out of my head of Lorraine throwing water and going, I'm just dying over that. I would not put it past her. I fucking hate that woman. (laughs) Um, It's shortly after this fucking team of psychic seance craziness happens that the bank reclaims the property and the Lutzes move to California in what they say is to escape the house and the glare of publicity, right? Because it's a sensation. It's all over like Long Island news. It's just kind of insanity. Fucking Long Island. Um, and everyone has a theory and that, and everyone, you know, thinks they know exactly what's happened here, Mm -hmm. especially professor, Dr. Hans Holder, (laughs) who is a parapsychologist. Okay. Was at the time a parapsychologist. He he gives therapy to ghosts. Paranormal psychologist, Vanessa. Let me move on. He, he he was at the time. America's most famous ghost hunter. He had written 50 books in the psychic arena. Okay. He's a swindler. On January 13th of 1977, he enters the house with renowned deep trance medium, whatever the fuck that is, <laughs> Ethel Johnson Myers. So <laughs> he enters the house with, okay, it's Professor Doctor. Deep trans medium Ethel. Professor Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Professor, Professor Doctor. Doctor to you. <laughs> uh, that's just what I'm calling him from now on. He's and I'm DTM. Yeah. To you. Uh, defense attorney William Weber. Down to manipulate. Like one other random person. And um, crooks. And the original journalist from this. Oh, there's one decent Sam, person amongst them. Laura DiDio. God okay. bless you, Laura. Mm. Uh oh. Never uh, mind. Take it back. So what Doctor Professor says is, uh, <laughs> I thought it was Professor Doctor. Are no. we? We're going no. back. Oh, Professor Doctor. You're Doc- right. Is it Doctor Professor? Doctor Professor it? sounds better. Doctor Professor. Doctor Professor. Professor Doctor. Uh, he says he needs the deep trance medium so that if I an entity. <laughs> If the entity is there, they can use the vocal cords of the medium to talk to him, right? So 
that's why that's why he has this deep trans medium there. So someone who's good at deep throating, probably. <clears throat> well, what I was expecting with this next part was uh, I was expecting something like from your exorcism story, the guttural voice. Yeah. Right. Something. Someone who's good at that. Um, the journalist Laura DiDio says that she does see a physical transformation of this woman. She says that she's developed an Adam's apple. She says her voice dropped several octaves. Now listen, I listened <laughs> to the audio. I didn't Taylor hear Jenner did that. I listened, but in the opposite way. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to timestamp that. If I offended you, <laughs> may I remind you she supports Trump. So that's true. Thank you. She's uh, up for bid or up for laughs. Or that's true. Nothing's off limits. Um, right. I listened to the audio of this woman during oh, this. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear it, just sounds like an old woman talking. It I <laughs> do not hear anything like I seriously, I don't hear her voice dropping several octaves or uh, it's not like that. I was expecting to hear like what we had heard on the exorcism episode. Guttural. Guttural, that real demonic sounding voice. It's not that at all. It's like your grandma talking. Um, <laughs> and she, she starts to say that she's uh, talking. My grandma talking can be very terrifying. That's true. Thank you. She says that she's talking with an Indian chief who's been buried on that land. Native American. No, I'm I'm saying I'm quoting. I'm, and I'm fixing her quote. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know if you thought privilege. that I was saying that. I'm saying. I'm checking both yeah. of your privileges. Oh, my God. Uh, her for saying it and you for reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Microaggression. <laughs> uh, she says that... The Indian chief that was buried here is driving people to do these things because he wants them off of his land, um, which I would say this is kind of like the go-to for any American paranormal event. Even Stephen King used to use this trope a lot in books and movies is the ancient Native American burial ground being haunted and driving people. You know what I mean? It's yeah. that like, old stereotype bullshit it is bullshit we're uh, all on their land right but she go, but th so this is what professor doctor says is happening in this house it, excuse me it's doctor professor <laughs> <laughs> that's their story that's what he thinks <laughs> is going on here and he's sticking to that story <laughs> well, um doctor professor right i mean you can't really <laughs> fucking how you argue that Seriously, is he a doctor or a professor? He's both. He's a professor of a doctor. He's Dr. Professor Hans Holder. He sounds like a fucking Bond villain. <laughs> sounds ridiculous. Dr. Professor Hans Holden. Oh, God. Uh, September 13th, 1977. Uh, the book comes out. It's called The Amityville Horror, A True Story. And it's by a man named Jay Anson, who worked alongside George and Kathy Lutz um to like get their whole story and put it into uh book form it comes out and it's a fucking instant bestseller it sells out it's like captivating millions you know what i mean like it's, it's millions of gullible people yeah it's a huge 
sensation. You have to remember. So this book comes out in 77. The Exorcist book and movie came out in 73 and 74. Ah. So there was already a longing and hunger for these types of stories. This was really a climate in which Amityville could breed. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, people are now saying that if you, you know, go to the house and you look at the windows, there's these two cool, uh, small windows at the top of the house. I'll post pictures of all this on the Instagram. They were saying that, you know, if you went, if you went to the house, it would, uh, you could see eyes looking out at you from the house, you know, but it was a vacant house, you know, so all these rumors start going, it's just a big fucking frenzy. And because this is, uh, worldwide bestseller it's getting a lot of attention from people just not just in long island people are uh, so annoying 1979 the movie comes out now this obviously isn't the ryan reynolds movie this is the first uh amityville horror movie and i didn't write down who was in it because i don't care oh good um so the movie comes out and the lutzes are all over the media again yeah and fucking all hell is breaking loose in amityville People from all over the world are coming to see this house. One neighbor is quoted on the documentary saying, we were plagued by tourists, not demons. It was, <laughs> it was like it was a religion. <laughs> so they had nuns from Sweden coming down and praying at the house. Oh, um, come on. People were running up to the house and trying to break off pieces of the siding. They were ripping up clumps like handfuls of the grass to take with them things like that like it was just a fucking frenzy and everyone in the neighborhood was so pissed <laughs> like I bet. I'd be they pissed. were sick of it um like yeah the people of amityville are not fucking happy <laughs> um and the amount of people starting to suspect a hoax is growing yeah because we're sick of all this bullshit Right. Uh, so two guys get together. One's name is Peter Jor Jordan. He is a parapsychologist. He's pretty oh. cool. Um, because he goes into... Please tell me what that is. It, I mean, I guess you could Google what is a parapsychologist. From what I understand, it's somebody who looks at the psychology of uh, non-human um, happenings. You know what like I mean? like peep like real humans perceptions of it like their psychology i don't think so it's somebody who is looking into the psychology behind uh ghosts spirits demons things like that peter jordan he's a parapsychologist but he goes into these things um trying to debunk them you know what i mean like he's very skeptical of a lot of these things and he's joined up with uh, Rick Moran, who is a journalist. They're both really cool guys. They're both in this documentary. They're really cool. Rick Moran, straight off the bat, says, we found 116 obvious errors in the Jay Anson Amityville horror book. Um, and then they kind of break down what some of those uh, errors or inconsistencies were. So the original article that came out about the Lutzes was in a magazine called Good Housekeeping. Do you remember <laughs> that magazine? Yeah, my favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Good Housekeeping was the 
first magazine to publish an article about the Lutzes right after they moved out of the house. Or I think maybe it was right when they moved in the house because it was like it had been like, a, you know, this murder had just happened there. Good housekeeping is like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, but in that article, basically all they tell good housekeeping is like, you know, they're hearing strange noises. There's some bumps in the night, but very like low level, what would be considered low level psychic phenomenon. Okay. Low level. Okay. Not By existing. the time the book comes out, you have Jody, the demon pig, you have green slime oozing from the walls um you have possession and moving of objects and levitation and things like that right mm-hmm. so they're like mm, okay yeah they start they first dive into this uh jody the demon pig thing right because missy the lutz's daughter uh had drawn a picture of jody the demon pig and it looked strangely a lot like a cat and I'm not trying to diss her artistic abilities. She was just a small child. Maybe she grew up like a little, little mid. Right. Calling a dog a pig. Right. <laughs> Calling a cat a pig. Well, it's funny you should say that because the neighbors have a cat that they call the pig. Like that's its name is the pig. They had this big fat Persian cat that would <laughs> jump up in the... um like onto your roof look through your windows it would sit in the um trees outside you know it was like an outdoor this big fat outdoor cat and even ronnie defeo jr would call this cat the pig that's what everybody called it it was just this big fat cat that would just hang out by everyone's house and look in their windows and shit so when missy's talking about the pig looking through you know she's seeing these glowing eyes in her window she very well could have been seeing that yeah you know but it was just this big fat pig of a cat so we didn't debunk the murder we just debunked the cat pig right conspiracy right so they explain the flies with the fact that the bodies of the murdered defeo family were kept in that house for 48 hours ah after they were taken out the house was completely sealed off and it was hot everything sealed up it was basically a breeding ground for flies so when the lutzes moved in they probably would have seen a large amount of dead flies and live flies now that doesn't explain what they're saying that the flies are swarming all around but it's saying yes there very well could have been i can explain them flying swarming well weber the defense attorney he also said that, you know, those long nights where they were getting drunk on wine together and he was showing them crime scene photos mm-hmm. in one of those crime scene photos in Don's bedroom, which is the bedroom the priest told them not to go in. Apparently in one of those crime scene photos, you could see a large pile of dead flies on the windowsill. So there's another thing saying, you know, well, that probably didn't happen. I don't have photographic evidence, Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure the swarming of the flies was just them being dramatic. Oh, yeah. For sure. They're just flies flying. Right. Yeah. They're swarming. So then Jordan and Moran interviewed the new owners. There had been uh, new owners that had moved in. I believe how you pronounce their last name was Cromerty. 
Um, they asked them like, Hey, did you need to make any big repairs when you moved in? Because according to this book, judging by the book, the house must've been fucking left in shambles after the Lutzes left. There's fucking slime and broken windows and flies and holes in the wall and blood coming. I mean, it's fucking craziness in there. And the Cromartys are like, no. no, everything was fine when we moved in. None of it looked new and replaced. It all looked worn and like it was, you know, authentic part of the house. But we no, we didn't have to do any repairs. It was fine. Yeah. Then this guy, Stephen Kaplan, who well, just let me get through this. Okay. Got it. He is a noted paranormal investigator and vampirologist. Uh, and founder and director of the Vampire Research Center and the Parapsychology Institute of America. <laughs> now, he must have died before 2005 in this documentary because he's not in it. It's just his wife is um, like telling all of his accounts in the documentary. So he must have passed away. Um, but he did a debate against george lutz because even the vampireologist thought this was bullshit oh come on so he debates george lutz in the book george lutz had stated that there was um this window in one bedroom that would like fly open and slam shut just randomly right and that one time his young son was looking up the window and the uh the window slammed onto his hand and it was with such force that it like trapped his hand in between, you know, the window and the, the window pane and the windowsill. And they couldn't get his hand out, finally gets his hand out. And there was, it had caused enough damage to his son's hand that he would, he had to take him to Brunswick hospital and have his hand treated. So Kaplan, Kaplan, the vampireologist is like, cool. We can get a subpoena for those records from Brunswick hospital. You can show it to us prove that this happened to your son and we'll move forward i'll drop it george lutz immediately starts backpedaling basically if you tried to pin george down on a certain story he was telling the story would just change he was like oh well no actually i didn't take him to the hospital i just we just bandaged it at home and took care of it at home mm -hmm. you know so like any any push he would just change the story we're really just gonna continue on as if we give any wait to the term vampireologist <laughs> listen we're not even gonna pause he's and say not something. alive to defend himself i don't know <laughs> i don't know what to say about it vampireologist i mean that could just be somebody who um studies the the historical records of vampire mythology right you just put words together that's all you just did. No, right? I mean, a vampireologist. I guess I, I will tell you, you're the best devil's advocate ever. That's like, I love something. I guess you would call it a science called cryptozoology, mm. which is the study of cryptids like Bigfoots and Chupacabras and Yetis and uh, Loch Ness Monsters and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I would call myself uh, a an amateur cryptozoologist i don't think you have to go to school for it <laughs> i don't think you have to either i think if you pay 20 bucks you get a certificate and you're a fucking doctor professor in vampirology oh my god can you please do that for me for christmas 
you buy you some certificate? Yes. So yeah, I can sure. be an official cryptozoologist, vampireologist, doctor. Absolutely. Doctor and professor I, of vampireology yes. and cryptozoology. Sarah, Sarah Austin. Listen, I am going to put doctor <laughs> professor when I put your name in. Don't think twice. And I looked up parapsychologist or okay. whatever you're trying okay. to pass. All right. In it, in it, here's, <laughs> do you want the layman's term or the official term? Because I'm going to tell you what, it's pretty funny. Well, yeah, let's hear it. The layman's term is the study of shit that other people won't study because it's bullshit. And here's how they politely put that. Okay. Parapsychology. Noun. The study of mental phenomenon which are excluded from or inexplicable by scientific psychology. I think so they're cool. excluded from it. Because this guy, um, uh, Oh God, Peter the Jordan. Paranormal and psychic phenomenon, including telepathy, precognition, clairvoyance, psychokinesis, near-death experiences, synchronicity, reincarnation. Have I said anything that's been proven? No, but this is what I'm saying: is Peter Jordan. He is a parapsychologist, right? But he goes in saying, like, this is how I'm going to prove these things wrong. Right. This was not an alien. This was not a demonic possession. This was not this, this, and this. He's not just going in blindly like. I believe this and here's how I'm going to prove it right. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing there are several, I mean, uh, types of parapsychologists. You have the ones like Dr. Professor who is going to go in and prove that this is exactly what he wants it to be. And then you have a, a, a parapsychologist like Peter Jordan who goes in and says, nah, this is bullshit and this is why. Is there any scenario in which you're going to respect someone who introduces themselves to you with the preface of doctor, professor? Well, that's how I'm going to start prefacing myself. So you better start <laughs> respecting me. Okay. Um, but uh, Jordan's able to debunk the whole window thing. So him and Moran go into the room, right? He says they're because they're both in this documentary. They're pretty funny. Yeah. He says they're walking through the room and all of a sudden the window fucking shoots up and Jordan's like, I almost jumped out of my fucking skin. Like <laughs> I was like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Realize that the counterweights in the uh, window are improperly set. And there's this one spot in the floorboards where if you stepped on it, you could literally make the window open and shut. Oh man. Debunked. So, there's that right then jordan and moran confront jay anson who was the author of the book right um he they confront him about his claims that his true story novel is a complete work of fiction and jay anson ends up telling jordan something along the lines of you're one of those naysayers who likes to write non-ghost stories i like to make money which by non-ghost stories everyone he means stories right <laughs> right that's it um he also tells them someday you're gonna be sitting with all your non-ghost stories broke and i will be vacationing in the bahamas with a truckload of cashmere sweaters <laughs> what a comeback what a clapback uh, he died of a heart attack later that year so <laughs> cashmere sweaters <laughs> Yeah. yeah so he didn't get to he didn't and, and it's funny uh, because it's like jordan in the documentary he's like i remember driving home well first he told him when he when he made the cashmere sweater comment jordan was like that is the most ridiculous 
fantasy I have ever heard. (laughs) I don't even understand what that's about. And then he said he was driving home and heard on the radio uh, that uh, Jay Anson had suffered a a major heart attack and died. And he starts laughing in the documentary. (laughs) And he's like, man, he never got to enjoy that truckload of cashmere sweaters. (laughs) Damn, I like this guy. Uh. Uh, So Jay Anson, before, you know, he died, he had made millions of dollars off of this book. But it's said that the Lutzes only made about $250,000 from the whole book. But George Lutz, um, sadly Kathy has died, um, says that he still supports Jay Anson and the book um, that he wrote about their horror story. He's, you know, he's completely behind it. 2005 is when uh, Ryan Reynolds' Amityville horror movie comes out, and George Lutz fucking hated it so much that he actually sued MGM, (laughs) the makers of the movie, but the judge sided with the defendants, MGM, saying that the film was a work of fiction protected under the First Amendment. Thank you. Um, He hated it so much because basically in that movie, Ryan Reynolds- What did he sue him for? His money back? Defamation of character. Oh, come on. Because, you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds kills the family dog in it. Yeah. He tries to kill his family and all, you know, like, so he didn't like that. Yeah. At all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joel Martin, who's a a journalist and broadcaster featured in documentary, he had a, a good quote that I wrote down. Uh, people want to believe there's something supernatural. There's something beyond just us. There's a heaven. There's a hell. There are prayers that are answered. There are spirits. There are ghosts. We want to believe in that kind of phenomena. We have a need to, and with that need comes the gullibility factor, frankly, when someone says, oh, this is a true story. Yeah. Um, the current owners, as of 2005... I don't know what's happened since then. I didn't bother checking. Um, <laughs> say that they've experienced nothing paranormal. Nothing. Every owner since then has nothing. The Cromartys, yeah. these people, no, nobody's experienced anything. And Dr. Professor <laughs> is quoted in the end of the documentary. He's such a fucking little prick of an mm. old man. You just want to punch his little old face. Excuse me, Sarah. Dr. Professor Prick. (laughs) He is quoted. This is completely him. The current inhibitor doesn't believe in any of it. He's talking about uh, the current people living there in 2005 as of the documentary. The current inhibitor doesn't believe in any of it. Belief or disbelief has nothing to do whatsoever with what happens. I wish him well. I hope that spontaneous fire will not disturb his sleep or whatever else he does. And I wait for the headlines if and when they occur. <laughs> what a fucking dick. Right? His sleep. Or whatever else he does. <laughs> I, tr- what, I hope that spontaneous fires will not disturb his sleep. I know. What a fucking weird, like. I, I could have told you that at Dr. Professor. He's really like an evil, like, Inspector Gadget villain. <gasps> He's Dr. Professor Evil. Yes. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Professor Evil Hans Holden. Professor Holder. Dr. Evil. Professor Dr. Evil Hans Holder. <laughs> okay, so now 
they end the documentary Mm. okay (laughs) and over the ending credits and i can't figure out if this is the most perfect thing i've ever heard or the most distasteful thing i've ever (laughs) heard in my life wait and i wish i could play it for you but i can't because we will be copyrighted right off the air okay the ending credits rolling okay eminem's 2000 song mentally ill from amityville starts playing over the fucking credits (laughs) of this movie which i will remind you of the lyrics right now go ahead (laughs) but i will not wrap them for you oh mentally ill from amityville accidentally kill your family still thinking he won't god damn it he will he's mentally ill from amityville (laughs) (laughs) i agree with your statement i can't tell if it's the most distasteful thing or just the most perfect it's the most 2005 thing that's ever happened like clearly the makers of the documentary got to the end and they were like cool guys let's roll a joint like i have the best song the whole documentary is you're not expecting this like it's a very serious (laughs) <laughs> pretty somber documentary about this tragic murder and then sure. subsequent haunting and subsequent hoaxes of this home and then mentally ill from amityville <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like what the fuck is happening <laughs> is this you for real auditory hallucination i thought maybe it was just the youtuber yeah had put it in there i had to actually go look it up no, they actually <laughs> used M&M's mentally ill from Amityville. Well, God bless. Over them. the ending credit. They didn't and take themselves too seriously. Is the story of the most publicized haunted home in the world, the Amityville Horror Home. And another home run for you. Thank you. It's uh, a long wanna, one. Do you want to know what my little interesting, well, it's not interesting. Mm-hmm. My little Deb Downer fact? Yes. Familicide? Oh God! What percentage no. of what percentage of familicide ends in suicide by the perpetrator? I will say seventy-five percent. Ooh, close sixty. Mm. Here's a good yeah. one. In all familicide suicides, okay, what percent is the father, the perpetrator? Ninety-nine. Good for you. Ninety-five. <laughs> yeah. 99 (laughs) the husband always did it yeah okay then who's the least likely of a family let's just do four so it's just it covers everyone mom dad boy son Mm -hmm. i would say the least likely would be the daughter least likely is the son really yep which i thought was weird because in yours it was the son well that's good for me i have three sons (laughs) you're safe (laughs) But well, you have a husband. A husband. Yeah. <laughs> 5% say. <laughs> you better take care of that husband, girl. Oh, man. <laughs> you better get to it. It says oh. only 1% of familicides are committed by an adult son. Wow. Oh, so I guess kid kids. They better grow up. That's right. Yeah. 1%. Whew. That's all I got. Exhausting, right? Yeah. Can we do psychics and mediums next time? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, you want to do it? Yeah. All right. And for Easter, you guys, we're going to have a really fun episode. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> more than that, but we're going to have a really fun, true... We're going to kill someone and bring him back to life. 
true on brand this podcast sounds exhausting Easter episode for you it'll come out the day after Easter we won't worry and we won't ruin your Easter (laughs) (laughs) well we're in your Easter Monday yeah yeah (laughs) we'll let you guys all go to church like you do once a year that's right feel good about yourselves and then you can sneak back to your your little reality yes yes there we go (laughs) um well I can't wait what'd you think about my story that's good yeah it was good I still, I, I mean, I still can't explain what exactly happened in the DeFeo home the night they all died. I know that Ronnie Jr. had something to do with it. I think obviously probably had the most to do with it. Um, but again, there's those couple things, the fact that nobody got up, that, that nobody heard the gunshots in the neighborhood, the DEA agent thing. I mean, there's a lot of mysteries still wrapped up. Agreed. In that 1974 I was most interested that you that one of the theories about explaining them all staying in bed Mm -hmm. wasn't brought up and I thought it would be the most likely one which was I'm not saying it was Mm -hmm. aliens but it was aliens oh just kidding yeah you eat that one right up (laughs) where's where's our x-files episode no um a, a lot of it just got brought back to once all the demonic bullshit started coming out after the murders, then people attributed the fact that they weren't getting out of their beds due to some sort of demonic presence. No. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's the closest to aliens that it got. Yeah. I'm sure if it happened today, aliens would be second or third conspiracy on there. There really was a second person or he forced Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or second person and a third alien and a fourth doctor professor. Who knows? I... Vampireologist. I think uh-huh. happened is that uh, DeFeo was fucked up on acid. He and his sister had agreed to murder their father. He did see a hooded figure come in and hand him the gun, but it was yeah. just his sister. Right. She kept the kids quiet. He killed the parents and then was just so fucked up he killed everybody. I think uh, she wanted to die after that. That is a that is a theory as well that she went to the bed after everything after he killed the siblings and the mom and was like I can't I can't fucking do this yeah just kill me yeah and because she was actually she had the most damage done um without getting too graphic like to her head mm. she what's more graphic than that everyone Edmund- else was shot like in the back. Mm. no i'm saying never mind oh like you tried to spare us all without getting too graphic i shot mean it in the back it's of like her fucking face was blown off like, yeah. that's what i was trying to avoid oh okay well i beat it out of you <laughs> her fucking face was gone okay god damn you guys can follow us now uh we're up to 65 uh, likes hey or actually we're up to 67 or 8 i just was looking but we're not gonna focus on numbers we're just no, I'm just saying it's exciting content. that there's there's these are organic listeners who I saw one I saw one listener from Australia I think it was on Anchor we had hey, a mate. listener in Australia Australia so I thought that was pretty cool all right um but yeah you can listen to us on Facebook uh, YouTube TPSE podcast uh, go go to Instagram TPSE podcast and I post reference pictures for all of our episodes. So for this one, you'll get to see the Amityville Horror House. You get to see Ronnie DeFeo Jr. You'll get to see the little creepy boy in the corner. 
you'll get to with glasses ed and lorraine warren Do we get to see dr professor yes or no hell yes i'm gonna post dr professor um you can get us on Podbean. you can get us on fucking itunes now can we what's it called when you take doctor and make it dr period what's that called an abbreviation can we abbreviate doctor and abbreviate professor and then follow it with prick yeah or evil <laughs> doctor professor, doctor evil yes professor prick. Doctor evil doctor evil prick <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the instagram for him fuck him um get us um podcast player that's what i use um, itunes that's what i just said we're on itunes now it's so exciting we have a couple yeah. reviews and stuff on there already um i think itunes is the only one that you what can go say? uh rate and review i don't know you guys are awesome love you someone uh, we know yes oh <laughs> why do you make me say this so what <laughs> i'm not ashamed um but yeah and then if you're interested in other places you can find us go to our facebook we try and update as, that as much as we can we're still um working on getting on spotify stitcher and soundcloud mm-hmm. um you can email us at this podcast sounds exhausting at gmail.com or just talk to us on our facebook or instagram and um that was fun yeah i like that one it was good it wasn't yeah. super heavy no you don't seem exhausted I mean, just the perpetual exhaustion that I'm in, but that's <laughs> yeah, that's it. right. My perpetual yeah. state of exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That could have been a cool podcast name. Yeah. <laughs> My perpetual. We've already My branded this. I own the domain. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you live it, so fuck it. We don't that's need the right. name. That's yeah. right. Thanks for listening, guys. Tune yeah. into the next one. We'll see you on the next one. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.